Cree, everyone, and welcome to Jaffa Takes, the podcast where we rewatch Stargate, and sometimes it's just Heart of Darkness. It's just that. It's 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 another story that's been put into Stargate. And we're gonna, and then we cover it on this podcast. So hi, I'm Simo, and joining me today we have Eric, hello, and Kavika. Howdy. So uh, <laughs> this is the third of what I would call uh, like a speed bump early in this series, where uh, though you have a run of three episodes that kind of no one really likes. Uh, surprise, new new listening, new watchers. Uh, we're we're at the tail end of that now. Uh, I promise you, next week. It gets good. I, I know this is a great way to start a podcast to to hype up this episode we're about to watch. But uh, I mean, I assume you've watched it if you're listening to this. Uh, it's not. I mean, huh, I don't want to say it's terrible because like it's it's at least as good as the previous two episodes as uh, as as much as as that means. But it is straight up. They 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 took Heart of Darkness or Apocalypse Now, which was a previous adaptation of that, and, and stapled it onto a Stargate planet. I mean, um, if people listening to this have listened to the other podcast you're on, they're used to starting an episode with an apology. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, that happens. Uh, yeah, speaking of apologies, uh, this one, like, okay, we've had some racism two episodes ago that was really terrible. Uh, there's a little bit of that in this. It's not as overt in that way. It's just kind of, eh, it's like right on the line of being weird in this episode. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, it's right in the cold open. So we, we can like talk about it right away, really. It's just that they, like, this planet is, is weird in the way it's ethnically coded. Like, they clearly, like, the people who live on this planet are, at least the warriors are dressed like kind of African-ish. Like some of them have these big, you know, stone helmets with little faces on them. That's 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 a thing. I don't. I couldn't tell you. Sorry uh, about African African cultures and where that's from, but I do know it's from that continent somewhere. Uh, the reason I'm bringing this up is that all the extras we see are white, and <laughs> it's just really weird that they took that decision and either didn't coordinate with the people casting their extras or realize what they'd done after the fact and it's just i guess it's a it's a white african planet and also with like the the workers in the mine don't really aren't really coded the same way either it's 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 weird it's a it's a weird hodgepodge uh it's it's kind of not that important for the the the, the that the episode itself because i mean it is the the, th the thing with it is the people who live on this planet are barely characters they're just like a plot device except for the one guy who does get a speaking part and uh yeah it, it's like so it's it's all we'll we'll get to it I, i feel like i'm trying to psychanalyze this episode we haven't even started talking about it yet um 
Anyway, uh, so we open on a panicked thriller scene of uh, two SG team members running through the forest at night. Uh, one of them has a dart in his shoulder. It's real bad. It's real shot chaotically with uh, those white uh, African warrior type people <laughs> running after them. Um, <laughs> uh, and uh, and the bongos sorry. too. Yeah, well, with the bongos, it, it's all it's all very ooh. This is uh, this is Africa. This is the jungle. This is scary and dangerous. So I like I mentioned Heart of Darkness before. That novel does take place in Africa under like British colonial rule. So that that's probably where they're trying to get to with this, like to to make kind of a a visual. Uh, link to, to, to their main source of inspiration, except of course for how this is all in a Vancouver planet that looks nothing like Africa. Um, <laughs> but it's it, it just it's it, it's a it's a real weird mishmash that doesn't fit together. Um, anyway, yeah, you got the bongos, you got the the confusing camera pans and, sh- and cuts and everything that we don't really know, except that we know these two guys are in trouble and they have like some scary natives after them. Um, and uh, so one of them, who's uh, uh, Lieutenant Connor, uh, we don't know which SG team this is. This is one of them, one of the ones we haven't seen yet. So four through nine, I don't think it's stated in this episode specifically. Um, but he does like reach the Stargate, manages to dial it, and uh, uh, send in the code and stuff. Then he realizes his buddy, uh, whose name is Frakes, isn't fo- isn't right behind him because he got shot with a dart, as I said. And he's like laying on the on the ground, and he tries to go back for him, but uh, Frakes tells him to just go because all the people are coming up, and Connor runs off into the forest, and we don't see where he goes quite yet. Um, so yeah, then we have we see all those people catching up to him, uh, slowly approaching him, uh, and one of them is clearly an Earth SGC guy who is wearing uh, like some kind of rag over his head to to protect himself from the heat, <laughs> which is gonna be. Uh, obvious why in, in a second and then the other guy who uh, has a whole cloak uh, like a woven wool cloak of some kind on him and you can clearly see he has a, a black t-shirt and dog tags so clearly he's also from earth they catch up to this guy who's on the ground and the second guy i mentioned who's uh whose name is jonas hansen Qu- uh, just just a second Yeah, it's fine. It's it's just uh, yeah. Sorry, my kid came came up to talk to me. Um, okay. Um, yeah. Uh, so they they catch up to him. Uh, th- this guy uh, Jonas Hansen uh, walks up and pulls out a pistol and just like shoots this guy. I will say he's got like, a he's got a banging robe. I like. Oh yeah, that, I like the robe. That's a, that that's a nice. Uh, scratchy wool looking robe. He's you know, got. it's got a nice texture. I like the color. Like, you know, um, yeah, that's uh, presumably these people gave it to him. Uh, some some fine craftsmanship. Uh, so yeah, they uh, he shoots uh, Frakes who who's on the ground. Uh, tells his uh, right hand man to like uh, burn the body because they, they they put uh, I guess gas or something S- alcohol on something him. Something flammable. Uh, yeah. yeah, something flammable. Um, and uh, yeah, he sees the the Stargate sh- shutting off in the distance, and this guy assumes that uh, uh, Connor made it through back to Earth, uh, but we don't see that, uh, and then that's the end of the cold open. So yeah, uh, we get back, and uh, f- when we get back, it's now daytime, and uh, SG One has come back through the gate, 
no sign of Connor yet. Yeah, it's. <laughs> I don't know. Because like yeah. the, they they were far enough away mm-hmm. that he has to be surprised by the shot coming out from mm-hmm. the from the middle of the forest. Yeah, but yeah, he's right there a, at the gate. <laughs> yeah, he's. I don't know. Uh, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, he seemed to have ample time to run back through the Stargate. Don't know why he wouldn't have gone back because we did see him use the. The GDO, which is the name of the, the the hand device they have to send their code through the Stargate, uh, we did see him like be uh, like uh, pushing buttons on that to send the the code through the Stargate. So he would have like been fine, and the iris would have been open presumably, but he just didn't uh, for some reason. Anyway, uh, the, the 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 main point is um, SG One uh, Earth got the Stargate signal and whatever, and realized that this SG team was in trouble because no one stepped through. Yeah. And so they sent SG-1 to check it out, basically. Uh, it's what we're putting together in this scene that doesn't like do much to explain itself, I guess, if, no. for how much it usually does, but um, there you go. It's uh, just kind also, of a meandering episode, like, in general. Yeah, yeah. It's It, it feels like th- there's not much direction to this episode other than, like, trying to to sort of fo- follow the the outline of Heart of Darkness, but uh, yeah, it's it, it's it, you you just feel like s- scenes happen one after the other without much direction. It, it's weird. It's it, it's it's got a weird molasses feeling. I don't know. Maybe the writer of the episode did what I did, and mm-hmm. instead of actually reading the book for the AP English <laughs> assignment, they kind of just skimmed it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, yeah, crazy guy. He's white guy, forest. There's people. He thinks he's a god. Got it. Okay, let's just move on from there. Oh, there you go. They do say it. It's SG9 in this episode, who's uh, the sacrificial other SG team that uh, has a bad day, and and SG1 needs to go rescue them. Well, um, you know, someone has to. Yeah, it's got to be SG1, the golden boys of the SGC. Um, uh, uh, another funny thing is that uh, they step through. You see them like kind of putting sunscreen, like Carter is putting uh, like sunscreen on herself, and they're all wearing kind of like Daniel has a, a bandana kind of kind of on his head and the sunglasses. So like they're trying to like they they see through, through exposition that this sun the, on on this planet has some really high UV levels, and it's really bad for to stay in the sun too long on this planet. It's dangerous. Uh, so that's that's the the quirk of this planet in this episode that that leads to everything else is that, uh, and yeah, the other thing is that uh, D- uh, Daniel says or someone says, you know, uh, the 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 bad sunlight sure doesn't seem to affect the plants much because they're in, they're in the middle of a forest, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> you know, and Carter says, ah, you know, it's weird that you say that because we sure do seem to be going to a whole bunch of forest planets except for Abydos, <laughs> and, and like, and then Daniel says. Well, you know, it would make sense that uh, if we're going to planets that are inhabited by humans, there would have to be forests for there to be oxygen and stuff, right? <laughs> and then Teal gives us the the writer's hand-wavy explanation for why every planet looks the same and says, Ah, oh, you know, the gold actually terraformed a bunch of different planets and made them all look like this on purpose because Vancouver is the most hospitable possible climate for humans and they just get, got real good at making these planets like this. I mean, so, I can't... I can't can't really disagree with that i've i've uh-huh. been to vancouver uh, <laughs> uh it was nice. pleasant. one of the cleanest cities that uh, that i'd ever been to nice uh, never been there 
but uh, yeah, perfect temperature, uh, nice uh-huh. and uh, cloudy most of the time, but not too not too warm, not too hot. Oh yeah, nice breeze off the sea, you know. <laughs> I live in Michigan. I figure it's probably kind of the same, right? <laughs> I mean, it's it's like the Pacific Wait, Mountain sure. climate stuff. I, I'm no meteorologist, but I feel like if we had one on the podcast, they would probably tell you that you're wrong. Um, <laughs> if we got any meteorologists <laughs> listening. I did take one like intro to meteorology class for a science credit in college, so but I don't remember enough about it to call myself an expert. Um, well, I mean nor, that's the thing you don't I have to know it. any of it to call yourself an expert. Oh, I can call myself whatever I want. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, Corey points <laughs> out that there's no birds on this planet, which gives gives it a really creepy vibe. Also because, you know, if the sun kills you, uh, it's hard to imagine, like, birds flying through the air over the trees and thriving and surviving on this planet makes sense. Um, so, uh, I guess, I guess their, their approach immediately following this is to scatter and get, each get lost alone in the forest <laughs> because <laughs> the very next scene we see is just Daniel wandering completely alone yelling for Jack, uh, cause he like instantly got lost, which is nice. Good survival instincts. Good plan, everyone. Uh, the first of many ill thought out plans in this episode. Oh yeah. They've um, got, they've got the best, uh, SOP, you know, just, <laughs> it's just great. fantastic. They- they absolutely just wing it for this whole episode and do whatever they feel like the good thing to do in, in this moment. And it almost always turns out to be the wrong decision, but it still works out in the end and it, everything is mostly fine. It's yeah, just... They, they tend to be super fumbly. Uh, yeah. Just in, really, in general. Yeah, they're really having an off day. Um, <laughs> so Daniel, like, he's wandering lost and yelling for O'Neill. Uh Connor, turns out, was actually hiding under a pile of leaves on the ground, and he just springs up and grabs Daniel from behind, picks up his pistol, and and sticks it on his neck. (laughs) But then, the second he does that, O'Neill sneaks up right behind him, don't know where he could have hidden, uh, behind the nearest tree, which they look (laughs) like they're pretty much in the clear, so I don't know. Maybe he also hid under a pile of leaves, uh, because he sneaks up on Connor and does the exact same thing. Um, I like how fast uh, it was. He he was right yeah. there. He was ready. Like, boom, boom. Like, yeah, Daniel was yelling for him, and he started sprint- sprinting in that direction, I guess. But quietly. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Stealth sprint. Gotta um, give uh, kudos to Lieutenant Connor for being able to act through having a leaf that's, <laughs> oh, like, yeah. glued oh, yeah. to his lip. Yeah, I was about to mention that leaf. They, like, I guess, I guess that was a good take. Everyone's acting is on point in this, but there just happened to be one leaf that really stuck to this guy's bottom lip and just kept blowing back and forth over his mouth through this whole scene. Uh, <laughs> one take. Yeah, I don't know how visible <laughs> that was in SD, but it's very visible in the in, on our big modern screens over here. Um, so I guess they weren't very far from the Stargate because we get another cut and they've carried him all the way back there to lay down on the steps in front of it. Which, um, you know, is is not the best spot to lay no no (laughs) yeah for like we've all we keep saying that if the gate opens you're fucked at this point uh also it would seem like if you're if he was hiding under a pile of leaves maybe he's trying to hide and maybe going right next to the biggest landmark in the forest is not the great option it seems to be um also makes it more impressive that jackson managed to get lost about 100 yards (laughs) away from the stargate (laughs) yeah (laughs) 
<laughs> he just walked. You know, you know, it's uh, they they keep saying like you you don't go off trail in the forest. That's you're gonna get lost really fast. And like he just lived that right there. It only took like six steps away from the um, from the trail, and he was completely lost. Couldn't see anything. Um, <laughs> he was busy uh, looking for a bad situation that he wouldn't do anything about. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, he he tends to do that. Um So, yeah, uh they they say okay, uh they, like Connor isn't is uh, in shock or something cuz he's not saying much. Uh they say okay, we need to find the rest of your team and he's like no, no, no don't. And they they go why? And he says oh, freaks and he goes over to where his body was killed uh in the cold open and there's only like a pile of ash left there and some burned up ropes. Um so yeah, uh, that 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 cremation. Uh, <laughs> That's a pretty good one for that, that uh, was for, pretty thorough for you know? whatever they used there. Uh, also, that it didn't start a forest fire is pretty impressive. I guess that's your Pacific humidity for you. No, wait, that's clearly that's actually extremely where the actual forest fires do always start in the real world. So, uh, <laughs> so lucky before for them. we go any further. Yeah, I have to ask if it's known if Frakes was an intentional nod to Next Generation. I yeah. it's, it could be. You have to make up a lot of names for 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 this show. I know, like jo- like uh, the bad guy this week. His name is Jonas Hansen, and I don't want to call him just Jonas because there's a really important Stargate character named Jonas who's going to show up in several seasons down the line. And it's hard to come up with a name that hasn't been used for anything else, especially when it's, you know, it's a real person's name in this case. Um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, I don't know that it was. There's nothing that very Riker-esque about this guy we don't we know nothing about. He gets killed and burned, and that's the last we ever hear of him. Like, uh, next week, do we have anyone named Spiner, or <laughs> we meet no. a Jaffa named Dorn? We have Sarah and her dad. I don't remember what her dad's name is, if it's even named. Um, but no. Uh, chalk that up to coincidence, I guess. Yeah, probably. Uh, yeah. So, <laughs> the, like, SD1 is really confused, doesn't understand what's going on, at, uh, what, what's with this pile of ash. And uh, Connor says, uh, yeah, so Hansen has really gone cuckoo bananas, if I can speak freely. Uh, he's really lost his mind, and uh, so, and, uh, like, yeah, Connor says that it must be the sun that made him crazy, and then, like, I think Daniel says, so are you saying that the sun burned your body to a crisp? <laughs> he says, no, I've been telling you about my crazy CEO, he did that. <laughs> yeah, it's, I don't know, definitely one of those, uh, how, how, how dumb is Daniel this week? Uh-huh. Yeah, <laughs> he doesn't. He doesn't understand the subtext of what's being discussed here. Can't imagine possibly that an SG team leader would be a bad guy. But uh, here we go. This is a bad SG team that yeah. I, I feel like we've alluded to, like in the first couple episodes. This is the episode where that's most direct, at least early on. Yeah. Uh, well, and they and they, you know, and then they go into it how Carter was engaged to the guy, but she gave yep. it back because he's got. Yeah, control issues. Yeah, or whatever. He's, he's had, like, well. He had big psycho energy, which made him uh, real good for the army, I guess. For, yeah, for the Air you know, they want to they want to keep him keep him mm-hmm. uh, out in the field on very delicate. Uh, well, I yeah. don't know. How, I, I won't say very delicate. Uh, seeing seeing this, the things that we've seen in the episodes of how these uh-huh. uh, the best of the uh, of the best operate. 
Yeah. But, I mean, <laughs> they, they do, like, kind of sideways, like, poke fun at the military by saying that they do tend to give psychos the highest strengths and the most responsibility. That's that's fucked up that they do that, they do that which, you know, does... Once again, this is a very uh, blatant uh, adaptation of Heart of Darkness, which was very much one of the points of that story. Yeah. That the military fucks you up, and also colonialism bad, and, like, white supremacy is bad, uh, which isn't being sold as much in this one, considering everyone on this planet is white, except the one native guy they're going to talk to later. Um, anyway. Uh, yeah, so, uh, yeah, O'Neill tries to, to get uh, Carter to take Connor back to the Stargate because he knows that Hanson used to be her fiancé, uh, which yeah. is... You just, know, just that, like, character backstory is weird to drop on us. At the, like, that that feels like a lot yeah. to oh, have you know, in a one-off to, episode. You know, trying to, oh, you know, you might be compromised, you know. Uh-huh. It might be hard for you if we have to take the fight to this guy. And she's like, yeah. no, I should come because I know him better and I might be able to get through to him, which does make sense, I guess. Um, it's just weird that we get, like, a whole ex-fiancé for one of our main characters to show up in one episode and die and never be mentioned again. And it doesn't affect her character in any way that we can ever see going forward. She never mentions him again or anything. It's just weird. Right. Um, <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, it's like, it's a, it's a just kind of a by the mm-hmm. numbers. Yeah. So yeah, they, they also, okay. They, they say that, okay, the plot, the problem on this planet is that the sun is really bad as we've said. So uh, the the people all live in caves. They only come out at night, so we're going to be fine moving in the day. But the problem is that if we don't get cover from the sun all the time, we're also going to burn to a crisp or go crazy or get dehydrated or whatever. Uh, Get some nasty-looking dry skin spots on us, (laughs) um, as we see that everyone has in this episode. Uh, Good makeup job, though. Everyone looks fucked up in a nice way. Yeah, Um, yeah. Uh, so yeah, the, they go off, and so for some reason, like uh, the, I guess there's scouts in the forest that came back and told Hanson this, but because we cut over to the cave, and his right hand man guy uh, walks in and tells him that SG One has come after them, and like Hanson just doesn't say anything. He he snaps his dog tags off, right? Because apparently up, up until now he was he he was still part. Of, yeah, uh, he, he's still considering himself a soldier, system, a U- but yeah, a U.S. soldier. But now he's ready to cut all ties with them because, you know, he's gone. He's become better in this. Um, yes. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, SG One has now set up camp. They've brought over apparently like a motion detector alarm system that Tilk has installed in the trees with spotlights and like an alarm and stuff. Uh, that they test out to, to, like, wake them up if someone sneaks up on them during the night. Um, Just standard. Yeah, uh, yeah, you know. You know, they did have a mouth filled with stuff, so it's not, like, I guess there's room on that for that. That just seems like some pretty heavy equipment to go take, like, backpack camping in the forest with you. Um, There's a funny scene where... Uh, Daniel alludes back to the chicken scene from the movie by saying the the thing he's eating tastes like chicken, but oh no, it's macaroni and cheese, haha, it's really bad rations. And for the rest of this scene, you can see him in the background kind of just like looking at the texture of his bowl and it looks really goopy and it's pretty funny because he's not into it, clearly. 
so yeah, they they talk they talk some more about it. Uh, they say basically, yeah. So aren't we all like kind of trained with like heavy like psyche vows and stuff to make absolutely sure none of like this bullshit happens and we don't believe we're gods and like we've literally been treated like gods on every planet we've been to and isn't like we've never let it go to our heads so what's wrong with that guy um and connor tries to like explain well you know at first uh with lark our anthropologist which i guess is the the name of the the guy with the 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 rag on his head who's like Henson's second hand man he he said that the best thing to do would be basically to do what Daniel always says to do which is to just go along with what they're saying and pretend to be gods for their own like I don't know for that would be the best way to uh, establish relations with this planet and no, so Frakes like, was the anthropologist oh he was okay so Frakes said that first I guess and then he f- must have felt bad about it later um so yeah, so so, so like w- with Frakes signing off on this, they they kind of went along with it, and then like it got weirder and weirder, and at some point, uh, Henson saved someone who was out in the sun for too long and brought him back to the caves, and like he became even more of a messiah at this point, and he, it really went to his head, and he started to actually believe it, and since he went out in the sun for a while to save that kid, uh, that's probably when he he got like sunstruck or heat stroke or something that went that made him crazy and uh it's not like to to their credit they don't exactly uh put some kind of magical cosby uh over this guy's uh madness it's they, they do say he was always like kind of a psycho and it's you know the sun didn't help but it's it, like you wouldn't take a normal guy under the sun and have him turn crazy like this uh just just this guy and apparently the, the this other sgt member who went who, who went along with this to the degree that they killed this other guy on their team yeah um, you know like uh, you know you got another guy that's just like oh yeah, yeah okay yeah, sure. Like he's, <laughs> like he's like I also went into into the army on a huge power trip and to have a a gun and be able to legally shoot people. So I'm fine with all this. This is great. Thumbs up. I'm gonna support you in this. Uh, I think the best part is that he looks miserable. Yeah, he does. The, the, anytime you see the guy, he's like, I've been under this sun for uh, how long? How long have they been out of contact? Yeah, it's been like a uh, I don't I don't know. He says. I think at one point it seven, been seven like days. Five they, weeks. They, five weeks they've been five there. Yeah, the team. Yeah, that that's about how long the is like that. That must be like the first planet this team went to, and they've been there since the pilot <laughs> episode because it hasn't been that long. Um, it just took one. It just took one off yep. planet mission for this guy <laughs> yep, to just first completely we go, go to, and he was like, "Well, yes, I'm a god here. <laughs> this is the planet where the sun kills you, and this is where I'm gonna live now." Um, <laughs> Look at me we with didn't my end face up on that beach. <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, so so yeah. When, once he like he became convinced he was a god, he asked them to go out and um, build him a temple to celebrate his greatness. Uh, and like uh, he's forcing all the people on this planet to work to death under the sun and, and whatever. And people who stay out there too long become blind and have burns, and it's awful and everything. So it's it's some a real bad situation. Not not much goofs to be had in this episode, folks. I'm sorry. It's just grim and depressing the whole way through. Uh, except a couple. We'll point out when it, we do get there. Cause yeah, we kind of got to make our gags. fun, our own yeah. fun here on this one. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure how I feel about uh, 
the SG command letting this team be here for, you know, a month and a half. With yeah, no well, pr- with no contact, I'm assuming. They were just well, like, pre- oh, they seem okay. Pr- presumably every once in a while they dial the gate and like radio them and say, everything's still good over there? And they go, yep. And that's it. <laughs> that, that's all they get, I guess. Uh, like not, not counting on the fact that the guy saying, yep, might have gone crazy. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, so... So we get, uh, basically, yeah, nothing happens, and then it's later that night, and, uh, you, you get the natives attacking the camp where SG1 is sleeping. Um, a dart almost misses Daniel's face, and it lodges in the tree right next to him as O'Neill is trying to wake him up. Uh, they, of course, the, the, the motion detectors we mentioned, uh, are triggered, and the lights go off and go up, and the, the it starts beeping and stuff. Uh, they start shooting back at them. We we don't we do know that they kill at, at least one of the people attacking them because yeah. there's a body on the ground after, uh, which is great because you know these people are just humans that you're trying to save at the end of the day, and you just killed one. Of, I I guess they did have to defend themselves. Once again, it's one of those things where in the circumstances of the plot, uh, it's they they had to shoot them to defend themselves but also like the writers decide the circumstances it's just it, it, it's a it's a touchy thing that they don't really um they 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 don't really hold on it too long cuz it's not really the point of the episode like in a in a darker more you know in, in say a novel like heart of darkness they would probably had like a whole uh side paragraph or something about how bad they feel that they had to kill this guy but this sure. doesn't happen here yeah um, no. uh, we've got, got a whole okay, novel we, we, to go through in 40 minutes <laughs> yeah exactly we we keep cutting back to okay yeah the he does say something in the in the is the in this next scene uh i i do like the actor who plays henson in this episode because he's so hammy he does like eat the scenery pretty well because he he believes he's a god and like he's always shot from like sort of down low to make him appear taller and it's he's just like he's just such a douchebag he's so hateable and he's he seems like the actor seems to be having fun really being playing up being a real asshole um Basically, the thing is, he's dissatisfied with how long the building is taking, and he says, "Okay, well, uh, split the laborers into into shifts and make him work around the clock." And they'll like his right hand man says, "They all die if they do that, you know." And he says, "Well, you know, they yeah, worship me, so they." It's also just, just like him being super unreasonable for like no reason, dude. What? Yeah, dude. What's a temple? Like those, I don't know. It's if. If you thought you were a god, wouldn't you want a temple? Like, honestly, I get that. <laughs> I mean, sure, but, like, they take a while. And he yeah. ain't got but maybe three dozen, four dozen uh-huh. people in there. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that, 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 that's another, like, it's a casualty of TV budgets. You where <laughs> You need, if you're some kind of deluded maniac god guy who wants to have a huge temple in, built in stone by... Uh, laborers using antique techniques and tools and everything. Maybe you want to have like 5,000 slaves doing your work and not a dozen people. Uh, maybe then that would sell that you're getting impatient and it should be going faster. But it's impressive that they, they did put up the like six columns and one roof we see of this thing in uh, matte paintings. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, we got. There's, uh, <laughs> there is one dude tugging uh-huh. on a. Tugging on a uh, 
uh, one of those big, big cubes. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> As if it doesn't outweigh him by like 20 times. Yep, yep. <laughs> like it would take like a whole regiment of people to pull one of these on a, on a little sled in the mud. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, so uh, we had, now we have a conversation where Daniel is chatting up Carter and asking her, you know, what was he like when you were dating and stuff? And she says, well, he was always kind of a psycho. And Daniel really nicely says, well, and you were in love with him? <laughs> uh, and she, she, yeah, she does say, uh, you know, yeah, I guess I, I, I do like psychos and I have bad taste in men's. Sorry. Um, and she's like, then she, she basically goes, you know, we did break up and like, I knew he was kind of a weird freak and stuff. And that's why, that's why we stopped dating, honestly. So like, I'm not that surprised that if anyone was gonna, I was gonna, uh, become crazy on this planet, it would be this guy. So I, I need to point out that they didn't mention in dialogue earlier that even if there's heavy cloud cover, the sun's rays would still pe- uh, pierce through them and burn them. Which was useful because this scene was clearly shot in in uh, rainy weather. Yeah, I feel, I feel it, like that that was a that was that had to be added because they were like it it won't stop yeah. raining. Yeah, it doesn't look sunny enough for our deadly sun planet. So, <laughs> um, so yeah, that's the gist of this conversation. Uh, he basically went nuts, but well, not nuts, but he w- he got really angry when she broke up with him. But then, like they met up again as the SGC, like randomly, and he seemed to have found a new path in life and to be uh, doing well for himself. So she's more disappointed than surprised that this is how it turned up, I guess. Um, so they, they they go up, they they get to a ridge overlooking the work camp where uh, all these slaves are. Well, not I guess zealots or devouts are. Yeah, uh, it's that's a. That's a real it's fine, a fine line, line on that one. Yeah, yeah. Um, <clears throat> are you know mining rocks in in the quarry? I think it's it's the one like quarry. I I don't know if there's only one quarry near near Vancouver, but I do feel like they go to the quarry pretty often, and this is they use the quarry to stand in for an actual quarry because they're uh, digging rocks out of it and making big blocks out of them and uh, building it's a con- temple with them. It was super convenient this time around. Yep. It's gonna that quarry is gonna stand in for a desert at some point, and you can see how wet it is. Uh, even when it's not raining, it still looks pretty wet. Um, <clears throat> so we can also see that there's some stakes uh, in the distance where prisoners are tied to, and Connor is one of them. Did, oh, oh yeah, because when they were attacked at night, we didn't even mention it, but Connor was captured by uh, the people there. So now they're also trying to rescue him. Um, yeah, the teams are real bad about that. Oh yeah. Uh, they, 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 they fuck up a whole bunch in this episode. Uh, so they, they start observing, uh, I'm trying to figure out, uh, yeah, O'Neill is going off to scout. Uh, no, wait, O'Neill decides he's gonna go rescue Connor himself. Uh, he says he'll be back in 30 minutes. Um, and that's, that's the plan. He, O'Neill says, I'm gonna be a stealthy rescue man, and we're gonna see how that goes later on. Um, we get some, uh, Daniel expositing some, uh, biblical stuff to us, uh, to Teal specifically, who's the only person in the group who's never heard of the Bible, because uh, Daniel mentions Abraham and the, the, <laughs> that God asked him to sacrifice his son Isaac and stop them at the last second, and that's why that's what Hansen is trying to do. Basically, yeah, it's a test of faith to everyone who's working to death to build him a temple. I guess. Uh, yeah, it's biblical uh, metaphors. They yeah. work. Uh, 
the, the it's not one to one, but it works for what it is, I guess. Um, the next thing that happens though is uh, Carter is looking through the binoculars and <laughs> sees uh, number two guy. So our Amazon is telling me his name is Lieutenant Baker. I was I'm getting tired of calling him number two. So Baker <laughs> uh, goes up to a worker who fell down to the ground and starts uh, yelling at him. And uh, he beats him on him with his gun. And uh, th- and there's a nice, like, Austin Powers obstruction shot where people in the <laughs> foreground carrying a big log cross over the camera exactly at the moment where Baker uh, bangs his gun on uh, this kid whose uh, name is Jamala, because that's the one they're going to talk to in a little bit, uh, to hide the fact that he's not actually hitting him. Uh, it's, it's just... Anyway. Uh, and Carter is like, well, okay, I'm going to go and rescue this kid from this guy. Because, uh, you know, I don't, I don't want to watch someone because, get beaten. Because it's, yeah, because the problem isn't, uh, it's not systematic here. It's uh-huh. uh, it's it's this guy specifically right now. Right. <laughs> I mean, like, yeah. I mean, you, you want to stop some actual practical uh, present harm on your way to getting rid of the systemic harm that is represented by our buddy Henson. Um but uh, yeah, basically, and uh, Daniel and Tilk point out that that's a stupid plan, and she's just <laughs> gonna get grabbed, and like that's not gonna help anything. And she's like, "Yeah, I don't care. Uh, I'm gonna go save this guy's life, even and if I get captured and stuff." Sure enough, and that's exactly what happens. Uh, wait, I, okay. The next thing that happens is O'Neill gets back to Daniel and Tilk, and he sees that Carter's gone over there, and he's like. <laughs> what what is she doing? And they just Daniel just like kind of points at her with his arm and goes, "Huh, you know, you, you know, know what she's uh, doing." <laughs> and she goes up there and punches Baker in the face, and she gets captured, of course. Um, so yeah, she gets brought over to Henson. So who's the, who's got his? Uh, he's got his uh, child brides there. Yeah, he's got his like Conan chair with his his brides. It's real gross. Um, yeah, and he's like he ch- he starts like proselytizing to her, and she's not buying any of it. And he tries to, he starts to say that he's found something that's going to help these people, and he needs there to be a temple so that people know that he's the one that saved them. And he's uh, he's helping these people become free, and she's pointing out that he's freeing them from slavery by forcing them to work to death. <laughs> you do realize that's kind of ironic, man. <laughs> yeah. She does have a knack for being captured and brought before a powerful man with multiple wives. Oh, yeah, wives. she does that. She's not, like This is arguably the second uh, episode that is kind of Carter centric, even though like it's mildly Carter centric, it's not as much as the last one. Um, and in both of these episodes, it has to do with people who have a sexual interest to her and her being brought in front of them and like as a prisoner slash slave. So real, real good run there on with this. Character. Sometimes they hit her, you know, just yeah, two yeah. out of two times. It's great. Uh, at least this time she doesn't have to convince them that she's a scientist and she's smart because this is specifically what he wants out of her. Um, and they don't put her has... in a dress. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's no dresses in this. Uh, he's the only one wearing a robe, uh, to be fair. <laughs> so, yeah, he's trying to like to sell her on this whole I found an alien device thing that's going to turn the sky orange. I don't think he mentions that yet, but uh, he says, oh, I have a plan to save everyone. You'll see. He, g- yeah. he gives her the real crazy eyes uh, and eats the scenery some more, so it's at least entertaining. 
And his, uh, his, ex- his excuse is that he's going to save the people from the sun and ha- he has to act like a god to do it. Like yeah. it's, uh, you know, of course, yeah, it's, 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 it's real It's a real shaky. thin and bad excuse, especially <laughs> since we're going to see by the end of this episode that you can actually just turn this machine on and know how it works and not have to go through the whole god or temple shit. Um, anyway, uh, yeah, so our boys are still on their ridge looking at the laborers down there and they say, okay, uh, new plan, we need to find one guy in there and talk to him. And that's gonna, like, question mark? That's gonna help. That's gonna help us do stuff if we find a guy and talk to him. Uh, <laughs> so they, they see one guy sneaking out from the work camp to go over to a nearby spring and drink some water, and they just follow him there. Um, and it's pretty funny, because the way they approach him is they just, like, Daniel just crouches <laughs> next to him and starts washing his hands in the river <laughs> and waves at him. And then <laughs> while he's doing that, Tilk is just standing next to him to, like, block his way out for, to prevent him from running away. And he, when, like, when this kid runs into Tilk, he just puts his finger to his lip and goes, shh. Um, <laughs> which, which is universal, of course, you know. Yeah, the universal sign for shush. Uh, every planet knows this. Uh, and Chulak or P something. I don't even think that it, this planet is named in this episode. Um, yeah, no, they don't, they don't ever really say. This is the planet Sidorak because all the warriors oh. are dressed up like Juggernaut. Okay, hmm. thank you. Hmm. I really <laughs> hope take that's that. not a cultural thing that I'm making a joke about. I, I mean, the, the the those stone helmets are definitely a thing from actual African tribes. Like I said at the beginning, uh, sure. as a non-expert, I can't go any farther and say which tribe that's from or, or which country in <laughs> Africa, but it's from somewhere in Africa. I've definitely seen some, so, some uh, outfits like this. Um, that, 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 was, that was an X-Men joke. Yeah, no, the X-Men joke I, I get, for oh, sure. Okay, okay. I, I got that part. I know who Juggernaut is. Thank you. For <laughs> once, for once, I, I understood one of Eric's uh, many references. <laughs> I got that part. I understood. Um, anyway, we're back in the cave where uh, Jonas Hansen is the one who doesn't understand because he's pointing at some, like, cave paintings and says, I really wish I understood these drawings. And... What he actually means is he un- he doesn't understand the part where that's kind of two geometric shapes that are drawn on the wall, which we're going to see Teal reproduce in a, ha- in a little notepad in a minute. But I really like that the first thing you see actually is some stick figures and like a deer running around like those, you know, Lascaux Caves paintings and stuff. And he's pointing at it and says, I don't understand what this is. And it really seems like he's saying, I don't know what a deer and a stick figure means. Uh- <laughs> uh, the uh, stick figure dropped his con contact lens so he can't hunt the deer <laughs> yeah that's, 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 that's a problem that's that's the a, a, a big representation of a contact lens right there so um, my question well, i don't know well, I, I don't know maybe part question all right mm-hmm. so they have an anthropologist who yeah. who, who they killed mm-hmm. uh is is connor the scientist then like i don't know i, I don't know if you would assume that all your all your teams would be built the same. Yeah, but they're not because we know it's, <laughs> we know G three is just marines. I don't think yes. there's a, a science specialist marine or an anthropologist marine on SG three. Uh, I could be wrong, but it's it's never explained. I think like yeah, generally you can sort of assume that SG teams have a similar composition to SG one, um, but obviously not because. 
there he's trying to figure out like he yeah. doesn't he's got no he's just i really wish that i could knew what this what this meant well maybe if you know yeah Maybe, uh, maybe if like Connor was on your side, but he ran away anyway. <laughs> but we we don't see, we we don't get any indication that Connor is especially uh, like an expert in science or engineering sure. or anything just, in the way. It just seems wild to me that you're gonna try and strike it out on your own. Yeah, uh, when your bosses are you know a doorway away, yeah, uh, and could uh, just grab you by the scuff of your neck and uh, yeah. haul you back in for a court martial. Yeah, for sure. Uh, but then again, he is nuts, and so is uh, his right-hand man, so... Yeah. But I mean, like, cause, like, even, like, Heart of Darkness, you know, you're talking about... Uh, or, yeah. or, or even Apocalypse Now, you know, you're talking about Yeah, you have a word away in, yeah, that, in the jungle. You know, yeah, that yeah. are in, in deep and whatever, yeah. where it was difficult to get to and to send, you know, yeah. a, 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 a medium-sized force, I guess. Yeah. But, like, the I, Stargate I, is right there. It's it's like a day's walk because we do know they had to camp on the way there, so it's at least yeah. like a, a good distance. But you know, a day's walk is uh, you 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 get a couple ATVs to that gate, and it's it's nothing. Yeah. As long as there anything there's there's anything close to flat terrain on the way there, it's fine. Um, yeah, uh, good po- good points. All also, around. At, at this point, has SG One even reported back to say what's going on? Not clear, right? <laughs> we haven't seen them. Like the, we don't see the gate being on after the beginning of the episode until the climax of it. So presumably like, not. I I don't know about you, but if if uh, if if the leader of one of my squads had declared uh-huh. himself a god uh-huh. and set himself up uh, as the supreme being and is kidnapping and killing folk, uh-huh. uh, I'd at least give a call back to my boss to be like, <laughs> yeah. hey. That's a good point. Uh, things are things are going south over here. Yeah, but we like <laughs> we did mention how this episode is just stuff happening one after the other. This is like another thing. It would be more logical to get some backup or at, at least tell them. But you don't see Earth or Hammond at all in this episode. Um, so nope, that that doesn't happen. It's just them alone in this uh, on this planet against this guy and his slaves <laughs> and stuff. Um, so yeah, this, this uh, after he's like pointed at this painting, he does some more hammy uh, na- naval naval gazing and says, "Oh, you know, I was always the guy who <laughs> you like. Uh, you, you're one failure. Like you always made made all the men you dated better because apparently <laughs> he knows all about the the other men she's dated or something." And he says, "You can never fix me or anything. I was nah, nah, nah. and look at me now. I'm God." <laughs> No, no, no! You, don't you feel sorry? You let this piece, hot piece of ass, go. You could have been banging God. Your loss. Um, he like, and while he's doing that, he like sips some water from a, a, a sco- from like a ladle, and he just takes a little sip of it and tosses the rest of it to the ground to really highlight how he's on deadly sun planet and he's wasting water. This asshole. Um, and she like picks up a pistol and points it at him and. He he does like the 
not not the con- like the abuser slash con artist thing where he doesn't lose his confidence as he's having a a gun pointed at him and he just walks up to her and dares her to shoot him and she doesn't because like she's she's too scared of him because he's crazy and he just picks up the the, the gun from her hands and discards it and yeah he makes another lesson out of it you know you see you had the gun but I still yeah. have the power uh, fucked up yeah um. So, we get back to our buddy Jamala, who's being talked to by the boys of SG-1, and they just chat with him a little bit uh, and say, you know, uh, Henson isn't a god, he's real bad, and uh, you should, like, help us fight against him. And he's scared at first, because he thinks Henson actually is a god, and he's going to kill them. And uh, also, yeah, so we get a, a funny little bit where... Jamala uh, points at Teal and says he's a Jaffa because he's like, he's afraid of that. He knows about Jaffa, and like they say, oh yeah, but no, 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 he's with us. He's good. He's nice. Uh, <laughs> they say here, Teal, show him you're friendly. Give him a smile, and Teal gives us. We, we know Teal can smile. We I don't know if we've seen him actually crack an actual smile since the beginning of this show but he can surely do better than this he's been happy in his life before uh but what he does is just basically uh growl at, not growl but shows him his teeth menacingly it's the farthest thing you could possibly imagine from a smile and he's i love him the t2 yeah <laughs> yeah he's doing what arnold does yeah you're right uh another reference i got thank you um this, and this makes me wonder if like if this was just well shot if you know if this one was shot at a mm-hmm. different time mm-hmm. or i don't know i mean it's still first season so they're gonna be rough yeah. on characters. I mean, it's because they, they haven't nailed down the characters yet and you know teal has been pretty much stoic so far so they thought ah, it would be funny if we tell teal to smile and he doesn't know how to do it uh even though like we learn later that you know Jafas have a great sense of humor actually yeah. he's just he's just out of his element and he's like maybe particularly stoic for a Jaffa, but even then, yeah. Um, yeah, he doesn't seem to get into his uh, into uh, the anger. That, yeah, no. uh, that a lot of those Jaffas. Well, we to, see him angry sometimes. Do. Well, we do, Just... but like, I mean, I guess, and I guess it's also true that usually when they're angry, they're angry at him uh, yeah. for being for being Jaffa. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, we see him sad, angry. Uh, rarely see him. Uh, like just psyched or laughing or uh, all all grin- grinning to his ears, which is you know uh, we've mentioned before. Christopher Judge is that guy in real life. He's always like laughing and grinning, and uh, oh, he's yeah. a big goofball. So it's a real composition role for him to play a guy who rarely ever smiles. Um, anyway, Teal has more facets than he seems to at first. Is the point? Uh, but it is a funny thing to to watch him fail. <laughs> <laughs> at at doing a smile to seem friendly to this guy, um, so yeah, they they try to uh, to to tell him some more that uh, Henson is evil and bad and he should help them. And he Jamala is scared of, of all this, uh, and he says, "Okay, well, Henson said that he's gonna turn the sky orange and then the sun won't be dangerous anymore." Um, it's okay, so he, they go, "Okay, uh, that's that's new information we have now uh, to that now." That maybe this can help, and um, Tilk says, "You know, I've heard of something like that. So uh, actually, uh, maybe we're onto something here." 
So uh, this is, okay, first of all, we have another scene with Hanson and Carter where he tries to show her uh, that he's building a temple and isn't that great? Don't you love how I'm building a temple for me? And uh, please praise my nice big temple that doesn't exist yet. Um, it's going to be great when it's there. Believe me. And it's she's a like, public works yeah, no. project. Right. These people have jobs now. You're welcome. <laughs> yeah, I'm a, I'm a job creator. Thanks. And um, <laughs> and she 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 does point out that by the time this temple is done, there's not going to be anyone to to worship in it. You're a fucking idiot. Um, and then he like doesn't even hear her because the only person he's interested in listening to is himself. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he says. Besides, you know, uh, whatever they're gonna die, but I'm their god, so afterlife or something. I don't know. It's great. By by the way, I'm crazy, right? You've said yourself I'm crazy, so it's fine that I'm doing this because if I was not crazy, I wouldn't be doing this. But since or whatever he says, he's just babbling. Basically, um, he he's like confident that she'll eventually love him and see things his way, and she's not convinced of that. Uh, uh, appropriately enough so yes you know (laughs) now teal has drawn basically the same shapes that we saw in the painting before on his little notepad i love how like how very very basic it is Uh like he doesn't remember anything detail wise about this thing if you add a a semicircle on top of a trapezoid yep uh, that makes the sky orange. orange (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that's what that's the ghoul magic I've heard of. Like once again, he do, Tilt doesn't understand anything about technology. He just knows like general culture stuff, like yeah, Jaffa fifth grade level uh, knowledge of gold magic. So Jamal does point out that uh, this symbol is on the cave paintings, as we've seen before. Um, so uh, they they ask him, "Have you seen this thing that that we just draw drew there?" And Jamal says he has, and like uh, we cut back to the cave. So uh, I s- love I love that they show the device, uh-huh. and it's behind it's it's behind a curtain, and yep. it's got a cover over it. Oh yeah, it's like uh, it's this is- double dramatic. Yeah, it's it's it, that's what stands for classified on this planet. This is yeah. just there are two pieces of fabric protecting this thing from yeah. like wandering and, eyes. And the other thing is that he doesn't know how to turn it on. No, all, he's all got he, no game plan here. Nope, he just has this device that I I guess Frakes uh, read the the cave paintings or something and determined that this is what turns the sky the sky orange and that is good and that that's that's all. He knows he, this thing is used to turn the sky orange. He doesn't know how to do it, but uh, when it does that, it's going to save them from the sun. And he doesn't know how to turn it on. And now Carter is here, so hey, get to it, please. Right? Like, so. <laughs> just I don't know. <laughs> well, this guy, yeah, this guy is clearly a stupid loser, and I, you know, the I, that's pretty much intentional because like we we we're we know he's deluded and he's not a god and clearly like he's a weak uh pathetic guy who just like doesn't know anything and thinks he's better than anyone and he he thinks he's so much smart, smarter than Carter but he needs her to figure this thing out for him it's it's just you know that's that's the whole point of this um, yeah and he's just goes basically super goofy yeah 
And he goes basically, okay, uh, turn it on. And she goes, no. And he goes, turn <laughs> it on or I'll kill you and then I'll kill myself. And he starts walking off, starts quoting some scripture, pulls a Bible out of his like pocket just to really, really make it clear that this guy is crazy. Um, he, he, like he says that uh, he was looking for God after reading the Bible all this time and now he, he's found God and he's <laughs> him and blah. Um, and he hopes that Carter will one day be his goddess. Yep, yep. It's kind of romantic. <laughs> yeah, he, he's he's basically getting into talking like a ghoul at this point, which is the other like subtext of this whole thing. Um, so uh, we we got back to SG One, and now O'Neill and Jamala have switched clothes, which <laughs> it's it's pretty funny. Uh, O'Neill is applying some more sunscreen. Uh, as he's now wearing those white robes and Jamala is wearing fatigues and that, uh, I guess, jungle hat, or I don't know how you call those, but uh, that, that the green hat he's wearing. Um, so, uh, Teal'c explains <laughs> that uh, there needs to be two of these things for, for the force field to work because there's like two poles on, an, like on a battery or an electromagnetic field and the, the signal has to reach both for the shield to be up. Yeah. Um, so uh, they say, yeah, Jamal says he's only seen one, and they conclude from this that Hansen probably doesn't even know that, that there needs to be a second one. Uh, so Tilk has, has drawn another picture on, in his little notepad of like little zigzags with a circle at one end and then another set of zigzags with like a little Roman numeral three. And so he explains that the circle is the stargate, the zigzags are the mountains, and the little numerals is the temple. And Jamal says... Nice drawing. Tilk is like, yeah, thank you. <laughs> That's the joke. That's the one joke we get in the episode. Yeah, it's great. I don't even know if it's like an intentional joke. It's just a, a, like a, a cute character moment, but coupled with the fact that it's a really basic drawing, it's it's pretty funny. Um, so uh, I, this feels like an error, but... Uh, they ask Jamala where uh, where they found the first device, and he points next to the Stargate. So uh, Teal draws a little X next to it, and he says, then the other one must be next to the temple, and draws an X next to the temple. But it feels like it's got to be the other way around, because they found the one at the temple, and they need the one at the Stargate. Or, or it's just really weird that there's this weird back and forth with the machines, and they keep cr- crisscrossing each other on the way back and forth there. Well, um, you see, the second machine is behind the Stargate, and none yeah. of the SG teams ever thought about looking behind the Stargate. They <laughs> well, just walk right. straight out. There's always this, like a chest there or something. Like if you've played any video games, you know to check behind the teleporter, behind the chair, behind the waterfall, everything. Uh, they should have checked there anyway. Basically, Teal'c uh, finishes his little picture and draws a little arc between the two X's to to represent the force field that's going to happen. Uh, and then, like, O'Neill points out that all of this is extremely guesswork. His <laughs> very good drawing wasn't to scale or anything, so who knows what that even means, Where, why it would even be there, how big be the on, force field would need to be. It could be on the other side of the planet, for all they yeah. know. <laughs> that all sounds like a lot of bullshit, actually. Uh, he does point that out, O'Neill, but they're still going to go ahead with it, and they're going to turn out to be right anyway, so it's not like it matters. They just point out that the plan is weird and makes no sense before they do it anyway. Um, so, yeah, we find a little pedestal, which looks a lot like the one that the Stargate was on, and is going to be on, and he's going to be briefly not on, 
but there's like toppled columns around it and stuff, and it's just a pedestal. And um, so yeah, uh, Jamala says uh, this looks just like the place where the other one was, and they like clear the ground a little bit. They find some kind of circle on it, I think, um, but it's like. Uh, they can't do anything about it because it's uh, there's no hatch or on it or anything. So uh, Teal walks up to there. He like hits it a couple times with the staff to hear that it it makes a hollow sound under it. Uh, so he tells them to stand aside. He walks it's like back checking a couple the wall of paces. For studs. Yeah, basically. Once again, it's the video game thing. It's like in Zelda when you hit the wall with the sword. Um, so he like he he he. Puts like I, I like his technique there because he puts his staff over his shoulder to like aim it kind of downwards <laughs> towards the floor. Um, never, he sh- never. He's using it in a in a very like he's never used it this way before. Uh huh. You know, it feels very show offy. Yeah, I mean, oh, I don't usually get to like aim at the ground with this thing, so it's it's the other stance that I learned, but I almost never use. Um, he blows a big style. hole in the ground. <laughs> yeah, uh, he 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 blows a big hole in the ground. It blows up. You can clearly see that the hole was covered with plywood or something because you see like kind of just shards Perfect of wood circle. like flying off. Yeah, and uh, to pretend it was stone that he just blew up, it's fine. Uh, so yeah, there's a hole in it, and I guess uh, we're not gonna cover how they get it out of there because it's gonna just gonna be off next time we see them. Um, so now O'Neill is enacting his cunning rescue connor plan which is uh now dressed in that robe he got from jamala he has like a blowpipe i don't know where he got that blow dart marksman champion colonel (laughs) (laughs) o'neill yeah i guess i guess we did see like uh, a dart that they've been hit with before and i i guess i just assumed they were like from dart guns that sg9 had but no it's the people on this planet have blowpipes with these little red feather darts uh, that uh, yeah, O'Neill blows one at this guy that's overlooking the the encampment. Uh, something about the this guy's face and his sideburns and his five o'clock shadow makes him really look like a guy from Earth. And I thought he, he yes. was another SG team member at first, but I think he's meant to play a native because he's <laughs> just wearing those tan robes that everyone is. Um, <laughs> the next bit I is feel real funny. Bad for this guy. Yeah, like, I hope he yeah. got paid extra for this. Yeah, that's a good I mean, stunt. That's not yeah, bad. That's, that's probably just a stuntman, actually, which is probably why he doesn't look like dressed for the the role. Really, he's just a guy who's on the stunt team. Um, falls the, on the blade and everything. Like, yeah, you know? he falls like down two two flights of rock on the on the side of the quarry. Um, so yeah, the next bit is funny because O'Neill just walks up to Connor wearing his robe, and Connor is like looking straight down, <laughs> so he doesn't recognize him. And he says, "Kill me!" <laughs> and then O'Neill says, "You sure? I've come all this way." And then like, Connor <laughs> recognizes him, and he goes, "Oh, okay." Uh, O'Neill cuts his <laughs> rope loose, uh, which something about it seems real easy, like almost like it wasn't solidly attached to begin with. <laughs> <laughs> and he says, can you walk? And, and O'Neill says, yeah. And he just like hooks his arm through Connor's arm and starts walking off this place, which that was the plan, I guess. Just blowpipe one guy, walk over there, and just like walk out, walk no. away from there with the prisoner. Keep a low profile. <laughs> don't, don't, Matt, don't meet anybody it's, else's eyes. It's, it's fine. Like, like, it's like a Bavarian fire drill. Just act like you're supposed to be there and it'll all turn out fine, uh, basically. 
but it doesn't at all because like they 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 walk like i don't know uh 15 meters away from there and uh immediately baker uh, goes up behind them with a couple of his spear thugs and he cocks his gun and goes yo hey what are you doing there this is our prisoner why are you walking off and then yeah O'Neill turns, ar- turns around and the, the jig is up uh, Baker recognizes him uh, also, O'Neill tries the cunning gambit of insulting this guy uh, surprisingly that doesn't work either he gets slapped in the face for his trouble and then uh, they both get captured and brought over to Hanson. Uh, so Where yeah, Carter Sorry. has the the megameter. Yeah, not she's the megameter. The the the, uh, the uh, oscilloscope. Oscilloscope. She's got the uh, the electricity reader thingy with the two electrodes uh, hooked up to this thing to uh, see the the voltage of this thing. I guess. Gotta uh, make or sure amperage. the bonding cable is less than twenty five ohms. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what? And I'm willing to bet with the Goa'uld stealing all the technology and just basically, you know, kind of making it into their own. Mm-hmm. All of this rigmarole mm-hmm. wasn't necessary. I bet that there is a big, that there's a big honking switch. There's that a big old switch on, on and it. Off. Yeah, and she's 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 clearly just stalling for time. And she's figuring out some science <laughs> facts about it. And she says, somehow this thing that like measures the voltage of this thing tells her that the circuit, like what the circuit boards inside the thing look like. And she says they look basically like the ones inside the Stargate, uh, which basically that just raises has- even more questions. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you just think, so do like, do, does alien tech use like circuit boards? Did, are there chips on there? Are there transistors and stuff? Is there RAM on this thing? We don't know. It's I guess we can imagine it's maybe it just looks more alien. It's not literally like a a green wafer with chips on it, like like sure. it is on Earth tech. I mean, um, you know, it probably looks like it's. It probably just looks like a. I don't know, just like a <laughs> so, so black some kind of metal stuff, thing, you know, with yeah, like shapes on it, like the surface of the Death Star, basically, just like yeah. generic, weird-looking tech. I mean, I can't imagine that regardless of the state of technology i mean in uh, okay i mean unless mm-hmm. unless you're unless you're involving old quantum in there and who knows mm-hmm. uh but uh an advanced circuit at least on a micro level is going to look the same as a yeah. circuit that we have now just yeah. probably smaller I mean, yeah if if I guess, I guess the, the, the position that Stargate takes, uh, in their lore is that we basically got it right with our whole, uh, the, the basics of our electronics on Earth. And like, it needs to have a current that goes from positive to negative and goes through some kind of circuit. And maybe there's like parallel circuits and like linear circuits in there. And there's some kind of stuff that happens with the current on the way there. And that's the basics of it, right? Uh, I, I guess that's the, that's how the rest also alien tech operates like this yeah um and which is how it can possibly interface with the the voltmeter or whatever um so yeah uh, o'neill and connor are brought in by these guards uh which i guess uh takes takes carter's like excuse to keep stalling (laughs) away from them because jonas says basically okay turn it turn this thing on right now or i'm gonna kill them uh 
like O'Neill, uh, yeah, O'Neill at first is like, "You're gonna turn this thing on inside the cave? You sure about this?" Right. And uh, Henson <laughs> says, "Yeah, do it, or, or we're gonna shoot him." And O'Neill uh, has a pretty funny reaction to it, where he just like nods and kind of waves at her to do it, actually, because he doesn't want to be shot. So he does that. Uh, she does that, and uh, it's just uh, the big like, yeah, orange light comes shooting yeah. out of the top of this thing. Wee! Nice like, light show. I mean, it doesn't have to, you know, it doesn't have to be a physical uh, mm-hmm. uh, force field, of course, because all it's doing is what tuning the tuning the 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 UV radiation. Yeah, you know, it is just cutting part of the spectrum, I guess. Yeah. Uh, but like, what, what if it was physical? You just turn this thing on inside of a cave. Yeah, blast a hole in the the, 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 into this mountain and cause a cave in. Good job. (laughs) But uh, thankfully for them, this thing actually doesn't do anything by its own because we've already had the exposition that we need two of these things to create the force field. So one of them just makes a pretty light and nothing else. Um, So yeah, uh, meanwhile, so we cut back to Daniel and Tilk and they've successfully excavated the other one from this hole that was like just about the same size as this thing in the ground so uh i hope tilk has some uh robbie 535 in his pack or something because that's got to be hell on his back if he's the one that yanked this out with i'm sure (laughs) minimal symbolic help from daniel um (laughs) so they pulled that out uh and uh, Jamala run, r- runs into the scene, and I guess he went all the way back to the camp, and then and looked at them and ran back to them because he can tell them that. Uh, by, the, by the way, like the, the geography of this whole planet makes no sense because it's, we've already seen that it takes like a whole day to get to the temple from the Stargate, and now they're just going back and forth in a matter of seconds. It's like Game of Thrones up in here. Um, yeah, it's kind of. Uh, I mean, whatever. they they really rush. <laughs> to the conclusion of this episode like because <laughs> yeah, they are but, squeezing it in <laughs> yeah they're running out of time and they have to get to the point of it because uh jamala says everyone's gathering at the at the he says the circle of the gods and daniel as we know from the movie is really insistent that everyone use the proper terminology and calls it the stargate because he says the stargate um so we cut back to the stargate and now <sighs> it's been toppled all the way horizontally down to the ground this is still a big chunk of rock attached to like the bottom of it uh and they're gonna turn it on in a second so uh like a hundred questions here basically uh so i like how they gathered everybody and everybody is like two dozen people yeah it's like uh (laughs) the, the size of a classroom basically worth of people um and yeah, so they, they had all these people, I guess, yank at the Stargate with ropes that we don't see or whatever until it ripped right out of the of the stone it's in. Uh, also carries a big chunk of the stone with it. Uh, the Stargate itself looks like it's embedded in the one chunk of stone, so I don't even know how it spins or opens the Stargate through this thing anyway, which I guess we never thought about it when it's just standing up into one of those pedestals but i guess you can imagine that there's a slot it sits in or anything but it, there doesn't seem to be that in this case 
the huge chunk of stone that got ripped out of it along with it <laughs> seems much uh, longer than how deep this pedestal is. So I don't know what stone they ripped out of it. And it creates a sort of like diving board or ramp that leads all the way into it. So maybe they actually built this thing out of bricks after pulling the Stargate down. And this has all happened within the last five minutes as everyone was gathering <laughs> over there. <laughs> it's just really weird. It's- and... Uh, yeah. Through all of this, uh, the Stargate, which I guess is like wirelessly connected to the DHD somehow, or uses some kind of wireless energy source. Because I mean that I, one, I don't. Yeah, that that seems fine. Yeah, you know? maybe. Because uh, we've seen. I mean, I mean, you know, I guess light spoiler as we see it, we've mm-hmm. we've seen it used, uh, not in the ground. You yeah. know. Yeah. To a Stargate that's also not in the ground. Yeah, that's true. I mean, the Stargate works whenever we want it to. It's just the fact that they literally ripped it out of its pedestal and it still works uh, <laughs> does highlight uh, <laughs> that, once again, Stargate just does whatever the writers want it to at any given sure. time. <laughs> so if somebody yeah. came from Earth when this Stargate was on, would they just, like, get oh, they would- launched up in the air and then back <laughs> down into the Stargate? Yeah, they would fall back into it, and I think they would be disintegrated because I, I I don't I think, know what happens if you go into it the if, the wrong way. Yeah, I, I think you I think you just disappear if you go into a Stargate the wrong way. I'm not sure of that because I'm not even sure it's ever actually happened on the show. No, because they say you can't go back. But you can't go back, but you just go through and nothing happens. Or I think are maybe you just, yeah, I don't know. Maybe it just bounces you out like a sheet of rubber. You know? Yeah, it's not clear. Um, Anyway, Henson dials out to Earth um, and doesn't send the GDO, which means uh, the Iris Wool is going to be closed. And uh, Henson tries to like wiggle out of the accusation by saying, well, it's not my fault if the Iris is closed. That's on there. I'm not the one killing them. I'm just sending them to Earth. <laughs> He's just like doing a willful thing of like washing his hands of this, of, of uh, being a murderous jackass. Uh, and like when she calls him out on it, he says, Oh, come on, don't ruin my big day. I'm having a moment. I'm having fun. Come on. Uh, and this he, is why we so- broke up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, you were always an asshole and I still see it now. Um, <clears throat> so, uh, Hansen does a little prayer, and he says, I'm the Lord, your God, whatever. And he says, okay, kill the, kill these people, throw them in. He doesn't say kill, of course. Cause he... And then Daniel, out of nowhere, like, jumps out of the crowd. <laughs> Time and, uh, Yeah. The, Jamala just fucking kills Baker by shooting him in the back with Tilk's yeah. staff weapon. Uh, so, so long, Baker. I guess I, I didn't even realize he died, because I was wondering where he goes at the end of the episode. But, like, he's, he's just dead, I guess. Um, also, good shot, you know, Jamal with having no practice. With yeah, the staff weapon. It's, it's the first time he's ever seen one or used one, I guess, and he just like nails this guy on the first try. Um, Henson pulls out uh, a pistol and tries to shoot uh, Daniel, I guess, uh, and then like <laughs> Carter does a really cool, <laughs> uh, like, crane kick kind of thing like in the karate kid but like her hands are tied so she just does a jumping like front kick with her other leg i I don't know it's hard to describe but it's a jump kick it's like yeah Yeah, just a a jump kick uh and she like disarms him that way uh 
uh, Hansen runs over to the orange sky device and uh, Jamala uh, shoots the staff into the air to warn him not to do that because Daniel has to explain first to everyone and he says no 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 Hansen's not a god listen to me and Hansen tries to like debate him on this and he says no no no, don't listen to him I am a god and they say no you're not and he says yeah I am basically um it's real silly. <laughs> Daniel has a real fun line out of context because he holds up a pistol and says, This, this is not magical power. It is called a gun and it is a machine. And then to demonstrate that, he like, like unloads it. He just like <laughs> slips the, 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 the clip out of it. To, Everyone to, says, oh, it's just uh, a machine. Oh, yeah. <laughs> makes sense now. Not magic. I feel uh, foolish for not recognizing that machine. <laughs> uh, and yeah, Hansen says, okay, do what I say, I'm going to kill you all. And Uno says, no, actually, do what he says, and you will die. Uh, it's the, the level of debate in this scene is astronomical. Uh, we see O'Neill has managed to untie his hands somehow. He just, they, they were loose he ropes, never, I guess. Never, yeah. He never tried before, you know. No, he's just. Oh, turns out I'm not even tied. It's fine. Um, <laughs> so uh, Henson says, I, "I'm going to prove to you, I'm God. I'm going to turn on this thing, and I'm going to save everyone." So he does. He basically, yeah, he does that. He turns the thing on. Everyone looks, and it goes, "Wee orange light in the sky, awesome." And then, and then nothing happens. Then nothing Everyone's happens. Like, uh, and yeah. So what gives? It looks pretty, but the sun still the sun still hurts me. By the way, ouch! How <laughs> we're standing outside in the sun right now. Uh, they are in the forest, so I guess yeah, it's covering them a little bit, but still. Um, so Daniel says, "Ah, yeah, you know, the thing is, Hansen, being not a god, doesn't have a clue how this thing works, but we figured it out, and let us show you. Uh, there's actually a second one. It's all the way over there, and we're we're gonna turn it on now. <laughs> and um, he like gives a signal to Jamala to shoot the staff into the air, and we cut over to Teal who sees the staff shot who firing in the sky. Who just flips the switch? Yep. He Which, just flips the switch. Can, can I? Can I just say, by the way, feels like maybe <laughs> Teal should have been the one over there with the staff yeah. shooting the bad guy, and maybe you left the kid behind to turn this thing on and flip the switch. That would seem more logical. Uh, but no, they gave Teal switch duty. <laughs> I really want to add in a uh, like a stovetop burner sound effect to this. Mm. Where he's turning it on. It's just like. Click, 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 click. Yeah. yeah. Orange. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. The, the the pilot light needs to... Need a little kickstart. Um, so, yeah, he turns on uh, his side of the thing, and you see, like, a big aerial shot of the two orange beams, like, arcing and meeting in the middle and making a big old dome force field. And now there's a big orange filter over the rest of this scene, but the somehow f- not the rest of the... Ep- oh, yeah, the rest of the episode. Sorry. I just, like, uh, scrubbed the head a little yeah. bit. Good job. They put the uh, foreign land filter yeah. on the episode. Yeah, this is the this is the deep Mexico filter. This is like now, when you're when you're not only in Mexico but you're in like in the desert in Mexico, and there's like cartel guys holding guns at you. This is the filter they use. Um, yeah. So this dome mm-hmm. is basically useless. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> It it covers the part of the forest that's up to the it, stargate it and the part of the co- such a small area of the planet. 
Yeah, it's it's within walking distance, so it's good that these people don't seem like there's a lot of them because they they yeah they, they would need more land. Pretty but fast. Yeah, yeah, basically, it's the part of the forest up to the stargate and the part of the quarry up to the temple that's covered, and that's that's the land they get. Uh, that's gonna get developed real quick if they start cut, cutting the trees down to build houses and stuff. Um, I don't know. We'll never see them again anyway. Uh, this is another <laughs> one of those episodes that is never referenced again. Um, so enjoy that while you can. Uh, so yeah, uh, Hansen goes full nuts wacko mode and decides to basically grab Carter and kill himself with her by jumping into the Stargate. Uh, O'Neill, who as we've seen has untied his hands, uh, takes that cue to just like... Uh, dive tackle him off of the platform to prevent him from doing that and at this point all the planet's natives have decided that they've had they've had enough of this false god dude and they just grab him bodily and like carry him over to the stargate and toss him in and yeah i guess general hammond just murdered a guy based on hansen's previous (laughs) logic and he should be put court-martialed for this um because, yeah, he just pla- presumably went splat on the iris over on Earth, even though we don't see it, and that's the last we see of him, because there isn't anything left of him. Um, so we we cut to the next scene, and they've put the Stargate back up, and it's like nothing happened. There's no rubble around this place or yeah. anything. This is a really, like, plug-and-play Stargate, I guess. You can just take it out and in, no problem. Um, even though I would have liked no- it if it had been, like, kind of messily propped up against a tree. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that would have been great. <laughs> it's funny that on this planet where it's on a stone pedestal and they have no modern tools to do it with, they like do a perfect job of it. And on Earth, in the few occasions where they need to move the Stargate, it's a whole big to-do that partly has to do with how Earth decided to stick it underground, but still. Um, yeah, like 30 slaves died putting it back up into its spot. But <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> They're they're free now. They're, oh, yeah, they're not sorry. they're yeah. they're not slaves anymore. So thirty free people decided to die by putting it back <laughs> up. Is what we're saying. Uh, <laughs> you know they what? I bet chose that one to honor SG one. Yeah, yeah. I, I bet it was that one dude uh, that was that was trying to lift that stone block all by himself. He was the yeah. one. He should have lifted it was his with time his, to shine. Yeah, should have lifted with his legs, not his back. Um. So yeah, they say. Uh, yeah, I think we're ready. Uh, Daniel's, Daniel says that he thinks they should come back and check on them, and they say, well, Tilk says prob- probably the gold will never come back here, so we should just forget about this planet forever, actually. And they go, uh, okay. And that's it. That's the, the last we hear of it. Um, and then, like, Maybe we get they'd a little... like to hang out with the uh, Minoans or the Mongolians, <laughs> yeah. you know, on yeah. a not-hell planet. <laughs> yeah exactly um yeah i would i would definitely be like hey do you guys uh maybe want to live somewhere better yeah and what happens can... if one of these machine breaks yeah, yeah exactly they, they, should at least, they should at least check up on them like in a month or something to make sure the machines is still running and they haven't all died um give them some but... canopies yeah, you know, bring him some SPF five thousand. Yeah, just, just just some like a couple crates of copper tone, a couple pallets would be like that's all we ask for. Um, anyway, uh, yeah, uh, we have a little aside where Carter says, "You know, I had a gun pointed at him earlier, and I could have just shot him then." And and O'Neill says, "Well, that wouldn't have been honorable. It's it's no big deal that you didn't do that, even though." 
Like n- nothing would have changed if she'd done that. It's the only like I guess Baker might still be alive because he's the only other person who died in this episode after the the intro, I guess. Uh, but like the the end result is they turned on the machine and Hanson is dead. And anyway, uh, I guess pragmatically it doesn't change much. But she feels bad that she didn't shoot him when she had a chance to. Um, yeah. Well, and I think it's I think it's funny that they do the 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 kind of moralizing. Oh, you know, if you shoot the bad, if you kill the bad guy, you're just as bad as him. And I was like, yeah. weren't you earlier talking about how you were special forces? Yeah, and there's maybe there's doing that. things that uh, weigh guy, on your conscience. <laughs> yeah, but this guy's an American soldier. You know, <laughs> he's like, even though he's gone crazy and he is threatening to kill us all, he's still on our side, and we have to feel bad if we kill him. Um, and like um, O'Neill is kind of flipping through uh, Hanson's Bible that he must have dropped in the scuffle and he says he's trying to like put a, a bow on his little moral point and he says you know I haven't read much of the Bible but I like the first commandment and <laughs> like Carter quotes the first commandment at him which is oh yeah the one about not taking another god before God from the Bible before him and O'Neill says no, uh, that's not the one I'm thinking of. I was talking about the no-killing one, but good point, too. I guess both of those apl- apply to this situation right now. <laughs> I just think it's funny that Carter is the one who uh, knows the right commandment there. That feels like more of a Daniel knowledge. It, it would have been a funny moment to have like both of them state the wrong commandment and have Daniel yell over their shoulders, no, that's not that one either. Uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, just a, a little workshop tip to improve the script from 25 years ago. From, from me to the past over there. Um, so yeah, uh, O'Neill just like hands Carter the Bible and walks over to go talk to Jamala, who uh, I guess now is uh, a de facto ambassador of, of sorts of this people because he's the only one with any lines in this episode. All, all the rest <laughs> of them are just extras. And yeah, uh, Jamala asks Daniel, uh, we have a whole lot of planet to explore. It's it's bigger. It, it, it's pretty big, isn't it? And Daniel says, oh, yeah, it's huge. You can't possibly imagine how big it is. <laughs> Too bad you're stuck in that bubble and can't go anywhere, though. Okay, bye. Right. Um, <laughs> and yeah, that's the end of it. Basically, am I missing anything? No, they just stare at the Stargate and walk through, and that's it. Yeah, um, that's it. They walk through, the episode ends, and then Jamala says, wait a minute, this sucks ass. This is bad. <laughs> I mean, it's better than caves. It's 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 a step up. They they've 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 like incrementally, marginally improved their living conditions. Um, but not not much. Uh that was the first commandment. Uh and next week, uh we have a good one. Uh it's it's another planet of the week episode. But it's one I really like. It's called Cold Lazarus, and we'll see you then. Uh, we don't, ha- we didn't get any questions this week, so uh, I'm just going to move on to sign offs if if that's yeah. fine with everyone. I, I I think we'll do it just like the episode. Yep, yeah, just just end, walk through the Stargate, <laughs> and see see you next week. Uh, Eric, anything you want to plug? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at the Moon Rules. That's D A M O O N R U L Z. Uh, mostly it's a bunch of, uh, crappy jokes that are for my own benefit, and if somebody else enjoys them, I don't care because I made myself laugh. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Eric likes to, like, pull references that fly over my head. That's been, like, our weird dynamic lately, and it's, it's real fun. Um, Oh, and also the box office game. Yeah. That's pretty fun. 
Yeah, it's it's a good one. Uh, of the like Wordle clones that have come up, that's the one that's kept my attention the most. Uh, basically, if you've listened to the podcast Blank Check, uh, you, they give you a weekend of like of the top five movies of that weekend of any time in the past whatever decades since they've started tracking these things and you just have to guess what the top five movies are and you can like spend some of your points to get hints like uh the tagline of the movie or which actors are in it and stuff it's pretty fun um play that if you haven't uh the address for that is boxofficega.me uh if you need to find it uh kvika any last words uh oh shit execution no. not no. On, on this one <laughs> simon simon thinks he's a god no uh, no because I, I know kavika never plugs anything so i'm trying to like change the formula so to, to see if he has anything I'd, he wants I'd, to say i'd like a i'd like a a smoke and a and a wall to lean up against apparently great uh, <laughs> what would you like on your tombstone <laughs> that's an old pole right there uh-huh. uh no, I'm I'm good. That was uh, I am looking forward to Cold Lazarus. I'm, yeah. I'm hoping to be on that one. Yeah, it's a good episode. The, the people like the who name. have watched Stargate. Um, that was Back to the Future Three, by the way, right? What? The the Eric's reference about the stu- the tombstone. No, no, no that fuck. was Tombstone Pizza commercial. Ah, uh, okay, okay, it's a commercial. So I have a good excuse. I live in Canada, so I didn't get them. Yeah, uh, they act fine. like they're gonna execute someone ask what they want on their tombstone, and then the guy mm. says, pepperoni and cheese. Oh, And everyone does okay. the wah. Okay. Well, as you can see, uh, as I mentioned, references that Eric makes that fly over <laughs> my head is itself a running gag at this point, so at least I know who the juggernaut is. Um, okay, I promise next week I will make a craft dinner joke that is Canadian <laughs> friendly. Yeah, re- really research that. Find out what are the typical things that people add to craft dinner in Canada, and I'll be... You'll you'll earn my respect, I guess. Not th- not that you don't have it any already anyway. Um, uh, you can find the, uh, the the Twitter account associated with this podcast at at Jaffa Takes. You can go on there to see updates regarding the podcast every once in a while, some uh, Stargate re- retweets of some kind, and also uh, the weekly post where I ask for questions. So if you want to ask anything there, you can like uh, reply to that post. You can also send an email to jaffatakespodcast at gmail.com if you want to have it read on the podcast or anything you want to get through to us. Uh, my personal Twitter is at the real Simben. Uh, you can follow me on there to hear about anything that's unrelated to Stargate and also sometimes related to Stargate uh, that I might post, such as uh, my ongoing frustration in the awful world of trying to get a goddamn PlayStation 5. Um, <laughs> it's real bad out there. Uh, and with that, we're going to close this. So, uncree everyone. <laughs>